0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Here's your guest host... Jane Brown.
1: Whether it's chronic or acute, pain can have a disruptive effect on every aspect of life. Managing pain can be more challenging than you might have expected before you started living with pain. And with so many products to choose from, both prescription medications and over-the-counter products, how do you know which will work best for you? We've got our expert in studio, John Papasturgio of the Ontario Pharmacists Association joins me for the next half hour to talk about what you need to know Know when it comes to managing pain John welcome it's great to be back this is a hot topic
2: very hot topic it's in the media I have patients asking me about pain management pretty much every day now it's uh, it's gotten a lot of attention over the last you know year or so primarily because of the opioid related deaths and uh, you know we, we have a problem obviously in Ontario but it's nationwide now and uh, there's been a lot of effort from uh, you know the professional pharmacy medicine to try to kind of get this under control and uh, really, uh, you know, manage our pain patients better. And that's, I think, the goal.
1: Well, as soon as I mentioned that we were talking about pain management, the phone lines lit up. There's still a line or two Mm -hmm. open, but I want to get to your calls here momentarily. 416 360 740 740 4740 Since you bring it up, let's talk about opioids. There are over-the-counter opioids, and then there are prescriptions.
2: So there's only one over-the-counter opioid. Opioid, and it's the it's really the what we call Tylenol One. So it's uh, uh, Tylenol or acetaminophen with eight milligrams of coating in it. So it's not very strong, but it is available, and we have patients that take it. And the problem is they take more than they should a lot of the times because it's not really managing their pain. And, uh, and that can be problematic because there is Tylenol or acetaminophen in the product as well. And sometimes it's not the, uh, the coding that's causing the problem it's they're taking too much acetaminophen, which could be toxic to the liver. So I spent a lot of time cautioning patients on that. I mean, you can't buy the product without speaking to a pharmacist first. So you do have to have that interaction. But, uh, I think because it's over the counter, patients think it's automatically safe and it's not you have to take it properly and prescription opioids let's talk about those so yeah i mean there's there's a ton of them now and they you know they vary in terms of their potency in the way the way we assess how strong an opiate, uh, opioid is is we compare it to morphine. So if morphine is the gold standard, we think as codeine would be like one-tenth the strength of morphine. Then it goes up from there. So morphine, oxycodone, hydrocodone, hydromorphone, fentanyl, and fentanyl is getting a lot of uh, uh, media attention. Fentanyl is a very, very, very potent opioid. It's uh, you know over 100 times more potent than morphine. So imagine how strong that is. Generally, in Ontario, it's given as a patch form. So uh, you put a patch on, you let it sit on, you you change it every 72 hours. Um, But people are abusing it and they abuse the patches. uh, um, And now there's powder uh, fentanyl that's being found on the streets. And this is the drug that uh, uh, is contaminating some of the other street drugs. So they're putting it in the other street drugs. And because of its potency, it could cause really, really serious uh, complications to the people that are taking it. So it's just uh, this is what's, you know, popping up in the media
1: So, why up. is it prescribed then? I mean, it obviously deals with pain. So,
2: there is a role for it, right? And generally, when you think of fentanyl, I think of it for our chronic cancer patients, right? Patients that have uh, very severe cancer pain. There is definitely a role for fentanyl. I think what's happened with the opioids as a whole is they've been over prescribed. So, what's happened? What happens is the patients will be given something like a Percocet, which is a more kind of mild opioid. Um, It's a combination as well with acetaminophen. They take more of that. Their pain isn't resolved. Uh, then they start going up to the next thing, and then the next uh, more potent opioid. And before they uh, they know it, they're 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 essentially hooked on these opioids, and uh, um, it's very hard to come down once you get uh, you know you get hooked on them. Our role, I think, as pharmacists, is to identify those patients that may no longer need an opioid that's that potent, and and try to kind of taper them off. And I do a lot of that work in my pharmacies. The other reality is there's alternatives to opioids, right? So if you're having mild to moderate pain, say osteoporosis pain, you don't have to jump to an opioid right away. And I think the physicians are really trying to discourage that nowadays as well. You know, There's anti-inflammatories or the NSAIDs, there's acetaminophen, um, there's medications now for neuropathic pain that work very differently than the opioids. So we have an arsenal of drugs that are available. And, and uh, I think kind of what we're trying to encourage patients is so let's try some of these other things first before we uh, venture into the opioids, the reality is some patients are, need opioids, and and they're there for those patients. It's just you got to use them appropriately.
1: Well, and they have that other effect, too, that sort of hallucinogenic makes you, you know, they make you feel dopey. You yeah, can't do dope, anything, right? Dopey,
2: dopey in some, high in others, right? Because yeah. that's why there's street value to some of these drugs. Like, you think of OxyContin. It was a huge, uh, uh, you know, street value to that uh, over the last few years. They've changed the formulation a little bit now, which makes it harder to abuse, but the reality is uh, if you take enough of it, it makes people feel high as well, right? So how uh, can
1: you get anything done while you're dealing with your pain?
2: Well, the, if you're taking the right dose, uh-huh. you know, the patient that's on the right dose of an opioid, their pain should be controlled and they shouldn't be experiencing any adverse effects. So none of that hangover effect, none of that kind of dopey feeling, uh, no respiratory depression, no nausea, uh it, that's our goal, to kind of find that balance. The problem is, uh, in an attempt to relieve the pain quickly, some people will take more than they should, and it shoots them into the over, you know, and then they get some of these side effects. And, and when I think of our, our senior patients or our more elderly patients, these effects could be um, over-exaggerated, too. So that hangover effect, the risk for falls is very high. And then, and then you get into these other complications. So it, it does take, you know, really managing the, the medication appropriately. And, and it can be a lot of work.
1: Our Ontario Pharmacists Association uh, trusted contributor here, John Papasturgio, with us for the half hour, 416-360-0740, let us get to your questions. Len in Stratford, go ahead.
3: Uh, good afternoon. Um,
1: hey, Len. Go ahead, Len. You're on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back.
3: Uh, hi.
1: Turn your radio down and ask uh, the question, uh, your question to John Papasturgio.
3: Yeah, excuse me. I'm just going to turn the radio down. <laughs> good
1: idea. <laughs> Always a good idea I when you call into enough. a radio Thank show. Thank
3: you for taking my call. Okay. Uh, my, yes, my question is uh, I tend to be allergic to drugs. I do have some pain, although it's not major pain. I have a, a hip problem. Uh, is there any natural. You know, non side effect, say herb or some other natural pain reliever that you could suggest, please.
2: Yeah, great, great question, and I get this question a lot. Um, you know, there's, there's always. There's, <laughs> You know, there's this idea out there that there's uh, uh, a, there are medications that don't have any side effects. Unfortunately, that doesn't really exist. You could take pretty much anything, and if you take too much of it or you don't take it properly, there's always the potential of a side effect. And there's always the potential that an individual will, won't tolerate a drug, and that, that could be very specific to that individual. Um, with respect to uh, chronic pain or or mild to moderate pain, there are some herbal or homeopathic products you could use when I... The first thing I think of when I think of hip is maybe there's some osteoporosis in that hip. The joints are rubbing. Uh, glucosamine my, uh, for mild to moderate osteoporosis of the hip has been shown to help. Uh, chondroitin is another uh, herbal product that helps. And what we're trying to do with those medications is kind of rebuild that joint matrix so the two bones aren't rubbing against each other. Uh, the problem is as that gets more severe the herbal products don't have as good of an effect, but it's something that you could definitely try uh, uh, early on to see if it helps. Uh, another thing, yeah. and still the gold standard for uh, osteoporosis, is uh, is uh, acetaminophen or Tylenol. That's kind of what we start with. And, and usually what we tell uh, patients is, you know, take it regularly, take up to four grams a day. And if you take it Every six hours uh, for a week or so, you should start seeing some improvement. When it doesn't work for the kind of chronic pain, is when you take it here and there, right? So you may get some benefit, then you stop. Really, for osteoporosis uh, uh, or or that type of chronic hip pain, I recommend taking it regularly, and you should see some benefit. Anti-inflammatories are another one. Uh, uh, you know, they're not herbal or homeopathic, but they do they will help with the pain as well, and it'll keep you off some of the more uh, potent medications.
3: Excuse me for interrupting, yeah. but. Could you repeat the name of those other herbal?
2: Oh, yeah. Glucosamine is the one and chondroitin is the other.
3: Could you spell that for
4: me? I'm not getting it too clear.
2: G-L-U-C-O-S-A-M-I-N-E. Glucosamine and chondroitin. Yeah, that's glucosamine. And usually you'll find glucosamine on its own or in combination with controitin. So you'll see there's like pretty much all the herbal uh, manufacturers make it now. But it's something worth trying, I think.
1: And you mentioned uh, ibuprofen yeah. uh, and there's also naproxen. Yes. So so Advil is ibuprofen. Yeah. And naproxen is aspirin. Is Aleve. Is Aleve. Leaf. Aleve. Leaf. Right.
2: Aspirin's just ASA. Totally different. Right. right? Yeah. So a great question, actually, Jane. So when I say anti-inflammatories, there's a whole host of them, right? The -the over-the-counter ones are are really the two, ibuprofen or or, uh, Advil, and then uh, naproxen or Aleve. They're very similar in terms of how well they work. One of the advantages of the uh, Aleve is you don't have to take it as frequently, whereas the um, uh, ibuprofen you take every four to six hours. Aleve, you could get away with twice a day sometimes because of the way it's sustained release. And then there's a whole host of prescription uh, anti-inflammatories as well that are a little bit stronger, right? Um, They work very, very very well for pain, but they're not without their issues as well. So we know with chronic use of these NSAIDs, you put yourself at risk for stomach uh, uh, issues, sometimes ulceration. There could be potential kidney issues if people are taking doses that are too high. So it's, uh, you know, uh, I always recommend if you're taking these things and you're self-selecting them in a pharmacy, let your pharmacist know because they may have potential interactions with some of your other medications as well.
1: John Papasturgio with us until 1 o'clock. One more call, then we'll take a quick break. 416-360-0740, 740 4740 Marvin in Toronto, you have a question for our pharmacists?
4: Yes, I have a question from last week um, about med- medications and what's covered and isn't covered. But I didn't hear anything talked about the Section 8.
2: Yeah, Section 8, so that's the—they don't call it the Section 8 anymore, but that's that's okay. an term. But it's the Exceptional Drug Access Program, really. So what that is, for the listeners that may not know, is um, we have a formulary in Ontario. So there are certain medications that are covered, right? Um, mm-hmm. if, the, if a drug isn't on that list and the government won't pay for it, even if you present with a prescription— that being said, yeah. there's always access to those medications because you may need something that's not on the formulary for a very specific mm-hmm. condition or whatnot. So what your physician would have to do at that point is, a, is apply for exceptional a- access to the ministry. So they write a letter, reason why they think you need it. That mm-hmm. letter is reviewed by the team at the ministry, which I think is composed of physicians and pharmacists and whatnot. And if you meet that, those exceptional access criteria, they'll pay for mm-hmm. the drug. That being said, and I have a feeling you might be asking because a lot of the high-dose opioids, they fell off the formulary like earlier this year. So mm-hmm. uh, drugs like higher-dose fentanyl, we were talking about it, you can't get it through ODB anymore. The ministry actually restricted use of it. So um, okay. there has to be reasons why you would be on that those type of medications. Yeah, uh, yeah. But your well, physician I'm, would have to apply.
4: Yeah, well, um, as a PSW, I see it in my, with my clients in that um, – So I I knew what it was, but I wasn't sure if people out there might have known. But I do have one comment about today, if I can, about today's topic. Very quickly. Um, With my mother, she passed away a couple of years ago, and she was an oxycodone. And I'm questioning the doctor that looked after her, because when she passed away, she had over a thousand pills in her house. Which means is there would there not be blood tests that the doctor should have been doing to see if she was actually taking it?
2: They don't routinely do blood tests to see if you're taking your medications. Uh, um, you bring up a good point because I've I've done a lot of uh, research and home visits where we go into the homes of elderly patients, and and that's one of the things that we find. We find a lot of hoarding of medications, particularly opioids, antibiotics, uh, and other pain medications. And I'm not sure exactly why that's happening. I think uh, uh, many of our more elderly patients they feel they don't need the medication, so they don't take them, and they don't tell their healthcare. Provider Provider,
1: and they keep getting the refills, yes. right? So
2: from our perspective, the, the patient's taking the meds and everything's fine. Um, but, it, but you're right. It, this is a phenomenon we've seen. I'm not sure exactly why it's happening. I think there's a, many different reasons. But, um, yeah, it, it can be concerning because uh, what happens is the physician may think you're taking those medications and then that they're not working. So then they increase the dose. And then if you happen to take the newer dose, and you haven't been taking all those previous scripts, you're putting yourself at real high risk uh, uh, for side effects, respiratory depression, uh, and potentially death. It's very, very important to be honest with your health care provider.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to 1. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. And our trusted contributors at
1: the Ontario Pharmacists Association, John Papasturgio, joins us to the top of the hour. Thank you for your calls. Let's get to them. Lorraine in Cambridge, go ahead. You're on Fight Back.
3: Hello. Um, I have uh, restless legs, and I take Robaxacet uh, at night, and I also had a surgery on my knee, a re- knee replacement two years ago, and I had some leftover um, Percocet, which um, I had a fall and injured my ribs two months ago. And I was t- I'm taking about half of one a couple of times a week so I can get around, d- do things. I got tired of just sitting around eating. Anyway, <laughs> um, I uh, also two, two months ago, I was on a medication for a blood clot, so I didn't take any anti-inflammatory until I started taking it just very recently. And I was taking it at night. Now I take it twice a day. I don't feel any result. Like I, I, I have enough pain relief with what I'm doing, but I don't feel either tired or, um, or um, what do you call it? Oh, tired or silly or anything yes, like that. Yeah. So I just wondered if I have some kind of. Wow. idiosyncrasy did or I, something, did I or am I, catch, I doing the right thing? Yeah,
2: did I get you right, right that you're only taking half a tablet a couple of times a week?
3: I, I did, yes, yes. Oh. I just take it when it's really bad. I don't want to get yeah, out to a whole Yeah, You're not going to get, like, a My, half a I'm Percocet. not on is, enough. Is, yeah. My doctor offered me another prescription. And I said, well, I'd let him know if I need it. But the, he said the ribs might hurt for a couple of years. Sure. Like, the
2: reality is you're taking a very, very tiny dose, like half a tablet a few times a week. Uh, that's why you're not getting any of the... Uh, the hangover or the, uh, you know, the, uh, the high from the medication, which right. is good. I mean, and you're doing the right thing. You shouldn't overuse it. If, if you're taking a small amount but it's managing your pain, there's no reason to take more. Uh, so that's fine. But, yeah, that, that, like I wouldn't expect any severe, uh, you know, side effects uh, at that dose unless you were extremely, extremely sensitive, and it seems like you're not.
3: I'm fairly sensitive to medications. I don't use much, and it works.
2: Yeah. No, and, and it seems like, yeah, you're okay with that. What I would recommend now as the pain starts getting uh, uh, less and less, taper off the uh, Percocet entirely, stick the ro- to the set or some Advil, and yeah. uh, eventually you won't, you won't need it at all.
3: Okay. Okay. I I thanks for my your call. i cleaning, so I'm yeah. losing it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and don't don't throw <laughs> those
2: out, eh? Make sure you take them to a pharmacy to dispose of because yes, uh, you want to do that properly. Thank yeah. you.
1: Okay. No thanks, call. Lorraine. Uh, pain medication questions are welcome. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Joan in Burlington, welcome to Zoomer Radio. Go ahead.
3: Thank you. Um, it's just, uh, Tylenol. Now, I have used the extra strength Tylenol for I don't know how many years. I don't use them very often. But I thought I would try the liquid gels. Now, the Tylenol tablets or tablets are 500 milligrams. The liquid gel is 325. The liquid gel says to will only take one. Now, why would I take just one minute, but I'm possibly taking two or three of the other ones? Yeah,
2: you wouldn't. You wouldn't. The only advantage to the liquid gel is it kicks in a little bit faster for acute pain, right? Mm. Uh, Whenever you take a tablet for it to work, it's got to kind of dissolve in your stomach first, and then the medicine gets a chance to get absorbed. Uh, Liquid gel, because it's a liquid inside that little capsule thing, Um, It kicks in a little bit quicker. The reality is you should go dose for dose. It won't make a big difference, uh, uh, the fact that it's liquid with respect to your overall pain management. So I'd advise you if you're not getting a a good effect on the uh, 325s, uh, take what you're taking regularly in terms of the tablet and you should be okay.
3: Well, but when I do take a couple, it takes anything from um, half to three quarters of an hour to to, kick in.
2: And that's normal. That's normal, right? That's part of the normal absorption process. Yeah. So I think uh, uh, I think you're you're okay there. I would I would just the reality is I find the liquid uh, uh, versions of these work great for like headaches, migraines, things that you want really fast relief but if it's for chronic pain that you're managing consistently you're okay with the tablets just try to uh, take the medication more regularly. Uh,
3: it's just a question of back pain which I get when I've overdone it.
2: Yeah no no makes sense but yeah that, that'd be my advice there.
3: Okay thanks Joan. Thanks so much.
1: Uh, here's a question for you uh, can you take acetaminophen and anti-inflammatories at the same time?
2: You can actually yeah and that's a great question um, uh, you never want to take two anti-inflammatories at the same time one of the strategies we use for pain um, is to stagger acetaminophen and uh, an anti-inflammatory like ibuprofen. So ibuprofen generally, uh, uh, you, you, you can take acetaminophen every four hours. So what I recommend is you take uh, some uh, ibuprofen. Four hours later, you take some uh, acetaminophen. Four hours later, you take some ibuprofen. The reason uh, I, I suggest this is they work differently, right? So you're getting a synergistic effect of the two different mechanisms of action. It's very, very commonly used for fever in infants because, remember, a Tylenol and ibuprofen can be used for fever as well. Um, and I use that strategy all the time. If, t- if a parent comes in and says, the, you know, the, the Tylenol is just not doing it for my, for my baby, we just uh, stagger the two, and it oh, seems and, to work very and well. The drops. They and the drops—they still give yeah, them yeah, the yeah. drops, and they come right? come drop for, it. and that way you've got something you could give them every four hours. Uh, I find it works better than just using one of the agents. But it's okay to do that for pain as well. No but, reason why you. But couldn't. you
1: can't take a full dose of acetaminophen at the same time that you take a full dose of ibuprofen. In reality, or, you could. Eh? You could. They work
2: very differently, so you could take a full dose and a full. We don't generally recommend that. Okay. it's Pretty hard on your stomach. Right. But you could. There's no reason you couldn't do
1: that. But yeah. just to get away from, so that your mind is still clear, That's right? right? That's right. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Connie and Kaladin. Go ahead. You're on Zoomer Radio.
3: Yes. Could you recommend uh,
1: a natural product for constant constipation? Uh, yeah. I would,
2: I don't know how natural you want to call this, but there's... Uh, oh, I've been mean
1: on everything and nothing is working.
2: Have you tried any of the PEG formulations? Uh, no. Oh, those, things, those are great for chronic constipation. The way they work is it's kind of like a... a uh, almost when you take it, it's a powder. You mix it with water and you take it. Uh, it becomes a, a, almost like a gel that goes through your intestine and it just pushes everything through.
1: Is it like a Metamucil sort it's of? It's not
2: like Metamucil is fiber. This is a, this is a, almost like a cohesive type of gel that okay. once it once you take it, it just it just flushes everything right through. It's not a stimulant laxative, so you don't have to worry. You could take it all the time. It's not the bowels doing the work. It's yeah. the actual. So laxative is one of them. You'll probably see it on the counter. And but- all you. Do you just take uh, 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 that uh, once or twice a day, mm-hmm. and it works wonders. And the physicians are really starting to promote it because it has very, very few side effects.
1: And where do I purchase this? At the uh, pharmacy? Oh, yeah,
2: absolutely. It's right It's right in the GI section, wherever you'd find the Gravol uh, antacids and whatever, you'll see. It's called Laxaday. Very good product. Very, very safe.
1: Great. Better
2: than the stimulant laxatives.
1: Thank you. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for calling, Connie. Hi. Is For some people, just the way their bodies work, even if you're getting a lot of fiber from your food, can you still have sluggish bowels?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and if you're taking a, a pain medication like an opioid, it's going to make the, like, the constipation worse, right? Uh, generally with opioids, um, that's the one side effect that doesn't go away with time. Uh, I pretty much recommend to everyone, if you're on an opioid, you need some type of laxative. You're going to get constipated. Uh, if I see people patients on uh, high-dose opioids and they're not constipated, it rings kind of a bell in my head saying, I don't think they're taking the medication Uh because I've seen this through uh, my time in hospital and palliative care. If you're on a high enough dose of opioid, you're going to get constipated. It's not going to go away. You'll need some type of laxative. And that's why you see most of the physicians now, if they're prescribing an opioid, right on that same script, there's a stimulant laxative like Seneca or something like that.
1: Time is flying here with John Papisturgio from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Let's get to the rest of the calls. Ben, in Oakville, you have a question.
2: Yeah, uh,
5: hi John. Hi, and, uh, I, I'm asking for help because I wonder what this A P O. Then it's by Sir Cardo B I S A C O D Y L. I run out, but it take as directed yeah, anyway. Sure. But the other day I went to see the doctor because it was with cancer and osteoarthritis. And he changed me from uh, a ratio lenotech um tablets that contain codeine and uh, caffeine to this one called D I L A U D I D the I wonder what the difference is because with my cancer and osteoarthritis I also have uh, um um bowel movement problem.
2: Mm. Yeah, so and I'm not surprised you have a bowel movement pro- uh, problem now because you went from taking uh, Tylenol 3s, which are relatively uh, a low uh, potency opioid, to taking Dilaudid. Dilaudid is hydromorphone. Remember earlier in the uh, conversation, I kind of ranked the opioid potency. So it goes morphine, oxycodone, hydromorphone. So you've jumped now about you know, six times the potency of morphine. Uh, uh, so I'm not surprised you're getting constipated. So that other drug you mentioned, the Bisacadil, that was your stimulant laxative. you got to go get some of that. Either get that prescription refilled. You could That's even buy it over the counter. You don't need a prescription. Yeah. Well, but if you're taking your Dilaudid regularly there, you're going to get constipated. I you gotta got to take that regularly. I, know, I just got that. Oh, you just got it. Okay.
5: Yeah. The other day okay uh yesterday yeah
2: yeah so uh, you'll notice as you start taking that you'll get constipated if you don't have anything uh, to help like i said you jumped in uh in potency there is your pain uh, relatively uncontrolled is that why he moved you up
5: oh well, i'm in grievous pain yeah. i uh-huh. went through a, what do you call it, cat scan the other day and mm. two weeks before i had a um a bone scan the The cancer's not in the bones, and then they sent me to the hospital for a CAT scan two weeks later, which was the other day, and on the table I was in grave pain at the first one, bone scan, the right side, the entire right side, bones, all the way from shoulder, hands, and down to the ankles. I was in pain, and I don't understand why, and uh, I I put up with it. It was enough to put tears in my eyes, and the 20 minutes on the table. When I got up, I went down to the family doctor, and he didn't. He said, Let's wait till the report comes in for the bone scan. Well, he didn't get it. The next thing you know, they phoned me to say, Go and get a CAT scan. And I thought, Oh, there's a connection. Something's wrong. But yesterday, when I was at the doctor's, he, he told me that the bone scan was clear. The
2: scan didn't reveal anything other than you got arthritis.
1: Okay, Ben, I don't want to have to yeah, cut you off, right. but we've run out of time here. Just a final comment, John?
2: Yeah, just for, for that dilaudid, if you start taking it, be weary of the side effects. It should help you manage that pain, though it's quite a bit more potent.
1: Okay, we'll see you next time. John Papasturgio.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.